You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old-world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of Pizza Quest. This episode was recorded on location in Atlantic City during this year's Northeast Pizza and Pasta and Bakery Expo. Over the course of two days, I got the chance to interview a number of luminaries in the pizza and baking world, deliver educational presentations, and talk to the judges at both the pizza and the bagel competitions. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, still here at the uh, Northeast Pizza, Pasta, and Bakery Expo in Atlantic City. We've been uh, spending the last couple of days talking to a lot of really cool people here, doing presentations and judging bagels and pizzas and all sorts of things. And uh, I'm sitting at the table right now with, uh, with well, two, I think, uh, super influential bakers, but then a, what a, a, a rising star in the baking community. So I'm going to introduce them, uh, Rachel Wyman of, of Montclair Bakery. It's a bakehouse, bakery? So it was Montclair Bread Company, Bread Company for 10 years. Montclair, New Jersey. And now it is called Rabble Rise Donuts. Rabble Rise Donuts. Yeah. And that's how I know Rachel from, from years back as sort of one of the pioneer queens of the of the artisan donut business. Yeah, donuts yeah. weren't the only thing you're doing, but uh, and you, it wasn't even your only presentation here at the show. You were doing things on breads and stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, brioche, community so, building. So, Ra- so Rachel's uh, you know really a, 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 an important, influential baker and uh, kind of a, a I would call a barometer of what of things to know about that are coming. And then Brian <laughs> Ford is here, sitting here also, who's again um, a, a huge. Rising star influencer and baker who has moved from Florida, where you were doing, making your name and doing books and baking, yeah. and now moved to New York yeah. and are looking at towards opening a bakery where in the city itself? Yeah, in the city itself. So, um, Brian, thank you so much for, because uh, you weren't, I didn't even realize you were going to be here at the show. I know. And I you're here with Sirhan, right? Last arrival to, to support my good friend Sirhan. And Sirhan Ayan is here also, who's, who will be, has, you you've been in the hovering on the edges of the pizza world and making a big impact like an Instagram and everywhere else sure, you're a sure. social media guy but you I know you're going to open your own place right well not <laughs> in the cards right now my family was in the business for over 20 years well, there you go. Um, I'm kind of in the back of the bakery so Sirhan's pop-up at, at yeah. Brian's bakery yeah. a little yeah. bit of everything jack of all trades let's say you know working with uni a little bit and yeah, I can't see, carry my family's legacy in some way. I see you on Instagram all the time. Thank you, know, you posting, Peter. Posting, posting, showing videos and stuff. And and Brian, uh, well, let me just get back to you for a second. For the for those people who are listening who don't know who you are, I mean, there are probably a, only a few left who don't. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about you. You're originally from where? Where did you say from the from the? I'm from New Orleans. My parents are from Honduras, Central Honduras. America. Okay. Um, and so I think you know my work just revolves on uh, focusing on Latin American baked goods and, and breads. But I you know I also make pizza and European style bread as well. And it, kind of like Saran said, just jack of all trades is where I where I like to live. I like to kind of just dip my hand in all the jars as opposed to being hyper focused on one thing. But um, I don't know, I am getting older and I, and I do have this kind of vision to, to specifically bake certain types of things and, and, and bring that to the community in New York. Think the things that you want to bake are more uh, Latin influenced? Yeah, and, I mean, I, I think, well, at the end of the day, if you think about like colonization and how the world came to be, it's, you know, right. the influence from Africa or Europe into Central and South America is, you know, it's, that's historically based. You can't really change that. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize outside of a, a European influence that like traditions have have evolved and it's kind of transcended that identity of just like, oh, like, you know, these these French colonists like showed us how to like make this bread. Um, and this is a long, long time ago. But now that particular bread, it's very much Mexican. It's very, you know, it's 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 about showcasing um, the deep tradition that's evolved over that yes. time. Um, but also, like, yeah, I make, you know, I make pizza. You know, it's, it's I respect all breads, really. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I make jokes. I, I make posts or whatever. And people think I hate croissants or whatever. But I don't. <laughs> I, I think I like it all. I like everything. How could I, anyone hate a croissant? <laughs> <laughs> unless, you, unless you just are, are not a Francophile, you know, you just butter. anything France. If you just don't like butter. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody out there who doesn't like yeah. butter. You know, yeah. there's this, there's a... Um, a uh, nutrition company that makes um, bars, like protein bars for athletes, but it's all it's all natural ingredients that and they taste like something you would make at home. It's called picky bars. Picky bars. Um, they're really good. But anytime you order from them, they send you a sticker that says "I heart carbs," and so we have "I heart carbs" stickers I everywhere. Love I love uh, it too. Yeah. I mean, I heart but, carbs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, Brian, you did one book already, and you're working yeah. on a second one now. What's what was the first book called? Uh, and what's New World it about? Sourdough is the first book. Um, the world of sourdoughs, yeah. That came out in 2020, and I think what was interesting about it uh, was I was kind of using my New Orleans upbringing and my Honduran roots to kind of be the catalyst for what the recipes were. Uh, and I, th I think that, you know, when you see a coconut bread or, you know, you see a, a bananas foster sourdough or something, it's a little bit like, yo, what, what is this guy doing? So I think it's that was a little different. But my second book is um, 150 recipes from Latin America. It's uh, pastries, desserts, sourdough straight doughs, yeasted doughs, savory baking, empanadas. It's it's wow. a wide variety of the vast world of, of Latin American baking in all 33 countries wow. and the Caribbean as well. So yeah. um, it took a couple of years to kind of focus. It's, and it's a, as you know, I mean, books are tricky. As, as, as you know, books are tricky. Um, and I think what's tricky about this is how do I represent the traditions of Latin America in my own voice? I mean, look, I haven't been to every single country, right? I mean, I'm, I don't want to be... Um, I don't know. It's, it's just tough because I, I want to represent a country's traditions the right way, but I also want to just have fun. Yeah. yeah. So I don't like to take myself too seriously, but I, you know, when you write something in pages, like there's a certain amount of respect you need to put into it, yeah. research and yeah. talking to people. I think I put uh, in an early version of making the... Um, should I wait for this to... Well, we have, a, we have announcements coming in over the... I, I think they're starting to announce the winners an, in the competition. I made an early version of a golfiado, which is a, a Venezuelan baked good, and I in, I, I put walnuts in it. And I, I mean, I got I got roasted for that. <laughs> Venezuelans were like, dude, there are no walnuts in golfiados. 
I mean, I got roasted for it. And I was, you know, it happens, right? You try to recipe test, you try to add a little texture, yeah. add a little sprinkle of something, but then it's like, hey, that's not what our culture does. And so you got to find a middle ground to creativity, but yeah. representing things the right way. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like the, the pizza guys who always say, what's a pizza, what's not a pizza? Right. Right? You, you do yeah, one deviation exactly. and they all go, yeah. they go crazy. It's a fine line of like, how many people do I want to piss off? Right, right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. I once got uh, roasted by a, a German baker because in in one of my books I talked about how the similarities between a panettone and a stolen, right? And I said right. so you can actually use one dough to make the other. Right. And oh my, he went after me big time. A stolen is not a panettone. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're nothing alike. And yeah. I said, well, they're a lot alike, but I'm not yeah. going to argue with you about it. Yeah. You know? exactly. and because it's the, the connection that people have to those things. Is be, is non-rational. It's, yeah. it's emotional. It's nostalgic. Yeah. I actually, I, I got roasted for not including weights in my book, um, and I made a conscious decision to do that. And it's funny because you know, 25 years ago when I was working at Amy's Bread, yes. I was like, I would never. And Amy was working on her second book, yeah. and I was helping doing the recipe testing for that. And she was like so adamant about the weights going in, and I was like, I would never not put the weights in. I will never do volume measures in a book. And then I just published a book of all volume Was measures all, because why? I yeah, realized why? that my audience, the people on Instagram, the people, you know, in my community who really connected with my recipes were scared at volume measures yeah. and they were never going to buy a scale. And my mom is never going to buy a scale. And by even including the weights, it kind of makes it a little scary. And my, my goal in putting a book out there on breads and having yeast in recipes was to make it less scary for people like my mom, you know? And and it and I still have that audience and capture that audience, which is great. Um, but yeah, I get roasted by the, the bread community for not... Um, That's a tricky, it's yeah. interesting that you kind of flipped it back the other direction because I, I, I started out with volume measure books because nobody was thinking about weights when I started writing cookbooks right, 100 right, years right. ago. But, the, but then it got to be... Like what Amy was saying is, is that as the bread baking community, the artisan community developed uh, and we became super conscious about ratios and, yeah. and you can't do ratios in, in cups and spoons. You have to have weights. And in fact, then, then it wasn't enough to just put ounces and pounds. You had to put grams too. Right. So, and it's been a, a movement towards that to where I can't think of anybody who do a bread book without adding it, doing I it did. all in weights and ratios. I'm the one. So, but, but it, so, so you're kind of like the throwback now. Yeah. 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 And who knows, you may start a trend, you know? Right. Well, and, and, and my book, it's called Will Run for Donuts. Will um, Run for Donuts. Yeah. Because uh, my whole community is based around a running club that uh, oh. meets for donuts afterwards. Oh, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was, I, I gave a lot of credit to my grandmother for, um, for planting the the baking seed in me and a lot of the recipes in the first chapter where I talk about things I grew up with were her recipes that I kind of adapted and might have taken the margarine out and replaced it with butter but she had like it wasn't just a cup she had this like little aluminum cup container it probably wasn't even a full cup measure yeah. that all of her recipes were based on yeah. that that cup. her tool that like, was her yeah, tool yeah. I was gonna say I'm thinking if you're using a grandma recipe then you have to say a handful and a quarter of a scoop of flour, you know? And a glug. And a glug, a glug <laughs> of buttermilk. It's like the old school pizzerias where they take the tomato can, they draw the line oh, on the yeah, can, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. like, this is the amount of water you put in there. That right, yeah. There's your, there's your measurement. Well, yeah. what, what was old is new again. 
you know, and uh, Brian, I think, you know, you came up with a with the kind of new class of people on social media that are aware of weights and measures and like super accepting of that. And I had tried to share recipes in weights and measures. I yeah. teach baking classes and everything's in weights and measures. But when I started throwing up my grandma's recipes on Instagram that are in like cups and teaspoons right. and stuff, it just went crazy. Yeah. And so many people started connecting with yeah. it. Oh, and I think... You know, when people got in the kitchen during COVID who had never been in a kitchen before and like it kind of, you know, they they started experimenting with things that they would have never done before. People that would have never dreamed of baking. My friends from like corporate America who ordered everything that they ever ate in life from somewhere else, like started baking at home. And so I, I just wanted to make it approachable for them and they made it and it, it, it's been I, great. I think it's a great strategy. They're not strategy. still baking, their sourdough's dead. Oh, their sourdoughs are yeah, dead. But, no, but uh, it's a great strategy. I, I um, worked on my book for two years. I submitted the manuscript last month and I was kind of, Sirhan knows this story. I was like anxiously waiting comments, you know, from the editor and the first thing he does, sorry, Michael, if you're listening to this, I love you though. Um, he's like, hey, uh, I think we need to include cups and spoons. And I was like, got it. Like, mm. you know, uh, let me go back and redo everything. That's <laughs> that includes, I'm inclu- you know, I do everything in grams. Uh-huh. My first book's all in grams. But, um, I, you know, to your point, there's nothing, I, there's really nothing wrong with it. It's not something I'm used to. I didn't even yeah. have to go buy measuring cups. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a whole world of people out there. How about this? There's a whole country of people out there that yeah, are using yeah, cu- right. that are using yeah. you know cups and spoons yeah. and like it, it, there's nothing wrong with it if that's right. what they do and we can reach them that way mm. then let's do it you know th- there's a big thing in pizza and baking all about consistency right getting everything the right measurement but yeah. i think more and more i'm realizing that intuition is a big thing yeah. that yes. people want to develop and right. need to apply to their baking and, and that's making. and that's what our our grandparents our grandmothers knew how they had the intuition they didn't need the the grams they just knew when it felt right, but, but that's a hard thing to, to teach. Right. And but there's a there is a nostalgia for that. Yeah. And, and and a way to stay connected to your to your your own family heritages and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, Sirhan, how did you and Brian get to know each other? Actually, through a mutual friend who's a baker, in, right in Astoria. Brian came to one of my pop ups that I was doing at my family's pizzeria years ago. Uh, baker named uh, Sarah Hoffman who runs Phoenix Bakehouse oh yeah and I think this was maybe 2019 2019 2019 he came I pulled up I was like yo yeah. who's this Turkish yeah. dude with the you know what I'm saying with the Detroit pizza man yeah, I was doing a Detroit style pizza pop up out Ooh, of my family's pizzeria good. I was so good. You know, milling the grains fresh I was doing a poolish all this you know as best Detroit's I could put out uh, Brian came to one of those back then and we connected and then years later, was it the following year? Brian yeah. moved to, to Queens. Yeah. And we've been, you know, hanging out ever since, exchanging ideas. I would say I'm more, I bake bread from a pizza baker's perspective. Brian makes pizza from, from a bread, bread baker's, baker's perspective. perspective. So we're, yeah. you know. We, it's a, it's an intertwined, it's a, it's a happy, it's a happy relationship, the bread and pizza thing, right? Yeah, we're and we're able to learn from each other. I learn a lot, yeah, like from Sirhan and stuff like that, because it's more of the pizza mind versus like that kind of bread forward mind. But I'm starting to learn. Maybe you are too. It's the same thing, really. It's it's all semantics, you know. <laughs> right? Like you you call something a pizza, you call well, croissant, well, media luna, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's well, that one yeah. it was. Since you mentioned Turkish, are you? Is your family? My based family is from, Tur- from Turkey. So yeah. let me ask you something because sure. I just recently became aware of a product that I didn't know about. Sure. That that, that someone said is a Turkish pizza called a, a lamakum. Lamajun. 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 Yes. So is is that what it is? Is that a, and what and what is it? The, it's it's a 
thin bread, let's say, um, and it's topped with uh, minced meat and spices. But you know, you can see it throughout Armenia. Um, some say it has Arab roots as well. Uh -huh. So it's from that part of the world. Um, and, and is it eaten flat or is it rolled up and eaten? Usually, you'll you'll top it after it's baked. You'll put you know um, chopped parsley, tomatoes, red onions, lemon. sumac, you know lemon juice. Um, you'll roll it up and you can tear it apart. They have it with a, a yogurt drink called Iron, uh -huh. which is oh, yeah? just, you know, water and uh, yogurt, uh -huh. a little salt. So, yeah, it's common in Turkey, Armenia. That sounds like that a kind of, of like a lassi type drink. Is kind that, of, yeah. Yeah, yeah lassi, I would say, usually you, you'll see like mangalassi. Um, yeah, mangalassi. Yeah, I would say it's like maybe a cousin uh -huh, of that drink. Uh -huh. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very popular in that, that part of the world. Like when I went to uh, Little Armenia in, in Los Angeles, you know, all the Armenian bakeries there, they had lamajan. I just lamajan. I felt right at home. So, you know? so all of a sudden, I'm you know you, sometimes you don't hear about anything, then you hear about it once, and then all of a sudden yeah. you notice it everywhere. Yeah. So it seems like this is to me when that happens, I go okay, sure. it's on my radar now. I want to try to track this down. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the, yeah. the friend who told me about it, he's in LA, and he's going on a Lamajun uh, quest yeah. of his own, yeah. and he's trying to find. I was so he happy sent me some great photos. Yeah, and yeah. It looks awesome. Yeah, incredible stuff there. So you see, you see some opportunity there to bring products like that out, and, and in a way, it goes with what you were saying, Brian, about connecting with heritage type, you know foods I, I do want to explore my you know my family's uh heritage to my baking a lot more there's stuff from you know turkey's a big country so you have yeah. stuff on kind of the, the western side um which is where my mom is from and my, uh -huh. my dad's actually kurdish so he's from like the, the yeah, southeast so mountains that's a whole different... and it's like you know borders like iran iraq yeah. so there's a completely different baking tradition from there and stuff that's not even made in ovens right they do it on like a saj kind of type of oven. I, don't, I don't know how familiar with that kind of uh, baking method but it's like a, a large skillet that you'll put the the bread on is it kind of curved a little bit yeah. it's kind of like a lavash almost yeah it's, it's like kind of related yeah. to that i believe yeah. um so unleavened breads leavened breads um there's, is the crust yeah. for a lamajun uh, leavened or unleavened you know what i i originally wanted to make it a leavened bread um, Everybody, please. And I think this is when I was kind of like a, on a sourdough kick where I wanted to ferment everything. And I was finding I wasn't getting that nostalgic taste out of it. And my mom was like, you got to do it without yeast. You got to do. And I was like, oh, you know, why why do I have to do that? And like now I'm thinking like, you know, she was right. It's, it's It has to be. It might be work well as an unleavened bread. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I went through a phase of making tortillas with yeah, sourdough yeah. just because I was on that like, oh, ma, sourdough, ma, check right? this out. Yeah. My mom was like, why are you doing this? Yeah, but and, think and, then, and then I was like, you're right. Because like, why am I? It's just it doesn't come out the same. Yeah. You know, I, I think experiences like that kind of like opened my mind to, you know, when, when, you know, talking about my mom here. I made her a Neapolitan pizza once and she hated it, she, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, and she's like, oh, it's not cooked. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it, I think it was my shortcoming of not realizing that she had a different palate right she was yeah, used no, to spell, like exactly yeah, yeah you know she moved to new york here in the 80s she had like new york style pizza she had lamajun bag in turkey she liked the crispier type of thing uh -huh. so you know i have to be mindful that there are different ways to leaven a bread or unleavened bread there's different flours there's different different palates and how do we well, cater to that well i want to just pivot this around to to the, the donut world with you <laughs> because donuts themselves are being redefined yes. you know as we speak and, yeah. and you've been a part of that um and there's cake and yeasted donuts, right? Right, and right. So, so what what do you see? Number one, you know, what do you see happening there, and what what are some of the controversial kind of aspects of that whole donut <laughs> renaissance? Well, I I don't I 
I'm, maybe I'm creating the controversy. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to rid the world of the bagged mix. Um, the bagged mix. <laughs> you know, like stop just adding water, please. Make it yourself. Yeah. Um, it's too easy. That's one of the things I was talking about here today at the conference. Is um, how easy it is to make the dough, and you don't need to use a bagged mix. And so. Um, yeah. As far as the cake and yeasted thing goes, it's super regional, and it's not like everyone in the Northeast likes this kind of donut. It's like pockets of preferences, um, and not everybody likes the same kind of donut. And then I'm definitely seeing people get more creative with their um, yeasted dough, which I've been trying to push for years. Um, you know, make a chocolate brioche, make an apple brioche, yeah. you know, do get creative with the dough because it shows that you're not just adding water to a mix and um, really setting yourself apart. There's a lot of sourdough. Some of those are um, like, they still incorporate milk and eggs and, and all of that. I'm making a sourdough that's just, um, flour, water, salt, little bit of palm sugar to it, so it's a vegan sourdough. Yeah. But it's a sourdough donut. Oh, yeah. Sour, sour donut. Sour donut. Yeah. And it's yep. a fried donut. It's fried. Is, yep. is, is frying, I mean, you have baked donuts as well as fried donuts, but it's frying, it's kind of like with bagels. You have boiled bagels, and then you have steamed bagels, and right. a lot of people say, if it's not boiled, then it's not really a bagel. Is But... But with donuts, you could go either way, right? It could be baked yeah, or fried without yeah. without running afoul of the donut police or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I, I like to see bakers incorporating donuts any way they can. So not everybody can fry a donut in their course of production. Yeah. So if they can make a baked donut, that's cool. You know, it's, you know, however you can reach your audience. And you were just telling me earlier today, you were describing a type of baked donut. You said it's one of the best donuts you've ever tasted. Uh, and I'm, and I, my, my first No, it was, uh, that was, that was fried. Oh, it was fried. Yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah. thought it was the thing. No, the um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you said cake donut. Do, do right so. donuts in Chicago. Do, oh, it, no. It's a it's a crumb cake donut. A crumb cake. Oh, yeah, crumb yeah, cake. So yeah. the topping was the crumb. The, yeah, crumb. and it's, oh, it has like a layer of cinnamon were, through the okay, dough. Again, okay. a very unique dough itself. Um, well, I can breathe so, a little easier now because when you said one of the best donuts I ever tasted, and you said it was a, a, no, a it was crumb fried. cake donut, it was I thought. I've never had a cake donut that I would put in the no, top pantheon of donuts. Uh, you know? yeah. <laughs> can I just add something? Like we're talking about like different names and styles for things. Um, you know, I think of donuts, but things like churros or like sure, yeah. you know, well, that, 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 yeah, that's there's like things exactly like, what I'm talking about. There's, there's like Tulumba and there's Turkey. Donuts or, of, yeah. in every culture called yeah. under different names. You don't names, think it's like donuts? Like pizzas. Exactly, right? Beignets. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, 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 well, yeah the best. That's one of. Sorry, we're going to let that background noise just go. We could talk over because we're on the mic. Oh, okay. So um, that's one of the things that I mentioned in my um, trends workshop, too, is in not just incorporating different cultural desserts into the... Um, into the donut so you could take something like a tres leches and make a tres leches donut yeah. or you could take an ingredient like ube and use it in a unique way that's all your own yeah. but you're incorporating a diff an ingredient from another culture so there's lots of different ways to play with those cultural trends yeah. yep. and highlight them well, Ryan, you mentioned beignets, okay. and you're and you you know you're you're New Orleans-based kind of guy. Um, there's, I think, a fusion of people who are not from that area about what is the right dough to use for a beignet. Uh, I I've seen beignets that uh, that were made with brioche. I've seen beignets made with different. But isn't a beignet more of a 
a pate chou type okay. dough or what? No, what no, is no, the right no. dough it's for a, a beignet? It's 11 dough. The, um, I mean, I don't know. I make mine with milk, evaporated milk, um, sourdough, fresh yeast. I mean, I, I, it's look, at the end of the day, it's all about the texture and the interior. Like, however you achieve it, I don't really care. So is it a wet dough that you you drop, you dollop it into, a, into the fat? No, or? it's cut into squares. There's machines. So oh. like you'll put the sheet of dough on it after it's rested, and the machine will just like pop up and cut it into squares and you dump them into the fire. Oh, okay. So it's um, solid enough, firm enough. I think enough it's, like, it's like an overnight cold fermentation uh, usually, and then after that cold fermentation, you let it come to temperature, you divide it into some squares. Once it's the temperature, like room temperature, you divide it and you fry it immediately. Uh, but, uh, but that's, you know, I can, I'm not speaking for master. I don't know what they do in Cafe Dumont. I have no clue. I have no insight. I have no idea. I don't care. What do you, you know, when you serve your beignets, you dust them with powdered sugar? Do you pour a syrup Oh, yeah, you got to have a beignet bag, man. You got to have a bag full of powdered sugar and you just shake them up in there and... And then, then do you have to have it with chicory coffee? I mean, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not going to, like, you know, when you go to Cafe Dumont and you have the chicory coffee and the beignets, like, that's a nostalgic moment. Yeah. It's a classic yeah. moment. It's a traditional moment. But um, you could have it with any kind of coffee. Okay, or... They kind of define the, the concept, okay, but even though it's, it's their own unique take on it. I mean, you got to have the powdered sugar, I would say. I mean, it, it would be kind of strange to just eat beignet dough uncovered. I don't even know if that's a thing. I would think... One option would be uh, some kind of a, a syrup of some sort, but but then again, maybe I mean, because I'm thinking of Greek coffee, donuts, like exactly. yeah, lumbas, yeah, yeah. yeah which finish with like a, yeah. with a honey syrup. Yeah, exactly. But they remind me so much of donut donuts. Donut. Donut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rachel was mentioning uh, you know, the building community and doing different kinds of uh, cultural inspired donuts. I just want to mention. Um, from Cora Donuts in Woodside, Queens by uh, Kimberly Camarado. She's oh, yeah. been making Filipino-inspired donuts. Unbelievable. So it's like, um, you know, she started out of her home during the pandemic and just like exploded. You know, she really? does like ube donuts, uh, tres leches, I believe, uh, churro donuts, and she'll, you know, the, the order window will open, I think, on Monday at 3 p.m. and it'll sell out in seconds and she has so much support from there's so an appetite many people. for it there's, a, there's an appetite they're beautiful for it. donuts they're, they're, they're inspired by her culture from her grandmother doesn't doesn't it seem like we're in a time in history right now where we're um, culturally linked products that are part of these like fried dough products but but directly related to culture are, are having their moment in a, in a new way that they're going mainstream even. Well, I you think know? the big trend that we're seeing in food in general is the storytelling. Uh, and so oh, when man, consumers can connect with your story or a story, uh, they're also movie. connecting with your food. Like they want to know that there's a bigger significance to it than just a slice of pizza. Yeah. You know? And, and so that's like across all mediums of food. So that may be the, that may be the connecting thread yeah. to all those. Yeah. Because... You know, I've never seen so much. Okay. You know, we, we did, I have a thing called Pizza Quest, right? Which is an easy concept to say, yeah, everyone wants to look for a perfect pizza. But now you've got people having these very specific quests. Like I was saying, the Lamachin quest, that, or, you know, the it could be anything as, as generic as a taco, but more specific, you know, the Momo quest or whatever. And, and, and these ethnic foods or culturally connected foods seem to be 
where the juice is right now. I mean, like, pizza is kind of my gateway drug into, like, the pizza world and baking and the old kinds of pizza styles. But, like, now I do want to explore my heritage and Turkish, Kurdish, Middle Eastern-inspired breads. Well, if there was ever a time to do it, it would be now. I think so. I'm trying to learn it. trying to, you know, know, we're talking about measurements before. I try to look for exact measurements, right? Like, oh, 100 grams, whatever. They're all cups or... And it varies from country to country, right? What's a cup here might be somewhere else. It's like, oh, use a Turkish teacup, mount the water. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, how many grams is that? Well, and not only that, but after you start doing it for years um, and, and making the same recipe day in and day out, um, for years and years, you'll notice your flour has inconsistencies, your sugar has inconsistencies. That, you know, so your recipe is always evolving and changing, and it can't be an exact because the second you're like married to an exact something changes, you have to be able to change that too. So, um, you know, that's that's where the little bit of this, little bit of that actually helps, and the intuition. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear number one that uh, you know that your uh, what is it called now? Ravel Rise, Ravel Rise. Uh, what's different? What, what, why the name change? And what does that change signify? So I opened as Montclair Bread Company ten years ago or eleven years ago. Pretty vanilla, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because you know, I, honestly, I I really lacked the confidence to go out. You know with something crazy and new, you know? And I, um, I wasn't, I, I didn't, I hadn't made a donut yet. So donuts didn't start until six months after I opened as a bread bakery. And um, then they quickly became, um, these announcements. It's hard to talk with all this sound going on. So then I, donuts quickly became 90% of the business and have held strong as 90% of the business. And I felt that continuing as Montclair Bread Company was really doing me a disservice and I was being overlooked for the thing that I do best, which are donuts. Donuts, uh uh-huh. And I also opened a second location in the Hudson Valley and um, I wanted them both to be the same. And to do that, I had to remove the location from the name. Uh, right, right, right. So, yeah. So that's an interesting, yeah, part of the yeah. part of the, the the story is how you're going to market it, how you're going to get, how you're going to right make it distinctly your own too. And so then, what I did, I consolidated the breads and went back to that kind of farmers market style of like, you know, only offering them one day, and yeah. we're doing pre-orders for them, and uh-huh. we have like a monthly subscription to the breads. So we make all of the breads on one day and we don't have to waste any of them because they're already spoken for uh-huh. and our customer base can still get bread, um, but it's not a lost leader anymore. Well, and Brian, do you have a name yet for your bakery or working title? Um, uh, New World Bakery, probably. New World Bakery. Um, my second book's New World Baking. There you go. And There's a connection right Sourdough. there. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's kind of, you know, obviously the New World being... Uh, well, what the colonists found when they when they showed up, um, and I think it's just yeah, it's just a little play on words. New World India uh, have a target of when you think you'll be open to the public. I have no clue. They're still I'm, working I on mean, it. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, with, hopefully in a year. I mean, I, I can't really say. I'm in, I'm in certain stages that can take a while. You know, so it's just getting things right at the beginning and then uh, find the right location and 
So we're really early, in the early stages. Of yeah, that. it's very early, but I'm speaking it into existence everywhere to kind of force myself to right to do it. <laughs> well, actually, having a name like New World, you've already have a a vision for it uh, of what it what it's going to be about. Why it's why for existing, and yeah. uh, uh, what what are some of the products that people should be looking forward to seeing <laughs> there that they may not they might not be everyday products. You know, I just did a a, a bake sale at the New York. What was it? New York Times yeah. Food Festival, um, and I was doing semitas, which are a hundred and pan dulce, and I think it was interesting to see how people reacted to it because they didn't know what it was. Uh -huh. and there was quite a few people that actually just turned away anytime I said like, "Oh, like this is a Central American whatever," they'd be like, "Whatever." Yeah. They'd, they'd literally just be like, "I don't want that." Um, I think, and I think that's a fun game to 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 play and a, a fun journey to embark on to kind of like. I grew up eating semitas. I mean, you know, it's semitas. it's a nice, round, semi-sweet, buttery uh, roll covered in uh, uh, like a sugar coating, almost mm. like, a, like a concha. Like, yes. To be honest, like most a, people are familiar with Mexican concha. It looks like concha, a concha, so yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to make those with regional grains and with, with uh, you know, crazy fermentations or, you know, media lunas, similar to a croissant yeah. and, um, you know, try to have fun with those like you look at super moon bakehouse you look at croissants being reimagined as something else right um why can't we do that with some of the latin american baked goods well, that, that are out but, there? And, and that's in light of what you said earlier you, you can do it if you're willing to uh withstand the blowback from the traditionalists yeah, that's okay but, yeah, but what mean, you're creating is kind of a neo-traditional yeah, wave yeah i think without blowback I, I, I think I think blowback is is is, is our friend in a way. I oh, think thought provoking yeah. um, something to get people yeah. to really like actually just be like, I don't want that. And it's like, I don't think you don't want it. I think you just don't understand it. Mm. And if I can help you understand it, you're definitely gonna want it. Yeah, and and I think if there is blowback, the the the, the first response has to be, I'm so glad you care this much. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 No, you're 100 yeah. percent right. So I'll be curious to see. Um, obviously, whenever it opens, y'all will be there. Well, we'll, we'll keep our eye out we'll for it. We'll have a little you know? party. Um, but yeah. Well, we'll look it. forward to uh, hearing about that. And, and uh, hopefully, the next time I see you at one of these events or when I'm in the city in New <laughs> yeah. York, you know, to get uh, updates on all 100%. that. 100%. Yeah. And, you got and, it. and how far along is the book? Um, it's it's uh, should be completely done in the next month or so and off to print. So it's uh, it's been two years of writing and researching and. Uh, I gotta, you know, do some edits on the. I'm sure it's gonna be all marked up when I get it back. <laughs> well, a lot of people who <laughs> people who haven't written books don't realize how long it takes to oh, get a book from concept to. Uh, but even after you've yeah. written the book and turned it in, you still got at least a oh, one year yeah, wait before hook. it's gonna hit the. I, I, the I've been taking a, a small break from it, um, but you know, I know I got another month and a half or you know two months of just like diving right back into it 100%. But. Yeah. It should be out October 2023. So, um, October, in, about, in so a year. one year. That's yep. all right. Yep. Well, that, then you were, you know, if you're getting ready to turn it in, then you're on target. Yeah, hey, Rachel, you have a book. Right? Yeah, I do. What's your book called? We'll run for donuts. Oh, we'll run for donuts, yep. and and uh, is it's out. And it's available. out. It, uh, it was released last October. Um, it came so it's out. Been out. So a year. It's, it's yeah, exactly a year. Wow. Yeah. And what um, else uh, are you working on? Another round of. Uh, another book not project? Yeah, I, I have it some ideas, so much out of you to do but it does. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot out of you. Um, it takes everything. <laughs> uh, especially when you're running a business. Yeah, and, and, exactly. You know, trying to keep kids in virtual school or whatever that was. <laughs> um, so now they're back in school, in school, and um, I have some time. So yeah, I, I have um, a couple ideas that are kind of more on the the business end of baking and. Um, 
and helping to coach people through that process that's also a scary thing that shouldn't be so scary. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my, my next chapter is less of recipes and more development. Well, that's good because that puts you in a different role than also you become, again, a, a mentor, somebody who's Absolutely. been there, done that, that the next generation. And yeah. I mean, it's, it all seems so new to all, all of us. I'm older than you guys, but I still feel like I'm still just a starter and a beginner. And, you know, because I've been, because time goes so fast. Right. But then before right. you know it, there's one and two generations of new people coming into it. Here's your daughter sitting behind us. I know. She's in a, you know, a, a, who knows if she'll go into this, but she could represent the whole next generation. Oh, totally. What, yeah. She can braid Hala better than anybody else on my team. There you go. She's yeah. like, since she yeah. was like, old enough to see over the table right right and then so so at some point you know you're going to be you're going to be the one that she or her or people of her generation are looking to yeah just show me how to do this you and know guide in, me. in fact she got to do a, a stage at Johnson and Wales in uh, Rhode Island in Providence yeah yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. yeah. chef Miskovich invited her up one she of got our to regular spend a whole friends day. here yeah oh yeah yeah. Oh, I want to. I got to talk to her when we finish. When we go off air, I'm going to talk to her. <laughs> yeah, I got to teach a donut workshop to the um, instructors at Johnson and Wales. Fantastic. Yeah, um, in May, and she came up with me and got to spend a whole day. So she's on track. All right. <laughs> well, we're we well, we waiting you know? for. Well, hey, we'll have her on the next podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, folks, I really want to thank you for for joining us today and wish you the best of successes in projects coming, books coming, and uh, and moving into like another. Uh, we'll call it a, an additional role of uh, your your repertoire <laughs> of not only you know doing it but teaching other people how to do it. So Rachel, thank you, and thank you. and it's always good to come to these these conferences and events because you get to see people who you've been tracking and getting yeah. to know. And every time you see them, we're all in a different stage of our unfolding, and it, it's it's cool. Saran. I'm waiting for that pop-up uh, to become a, a brick and mortar, or or you and Brian together to create something totally yeah. new. Yeah, why not? And, and get those lamachin out there. I want. I want. I think. That, Peter, uh, I'll make you a lamachin. You have to. Yeah, yeah. I want. I want, I want an authentic lamachin. But I can't. I can't imagine not having it in a, in your operation. I mean, making it available to the public, because I think there's a window for products like that now in a way a re receptivity. Sure. Just as sure. there are with with things from the Latin yeah. cultures. 100%. You know, the people are, are wanting that. They want to be able to connect vicariously to a culture that's not their own Correct. through the foods of that culture Correct. by somebody who, who's authentically bringing yeah. it to them. Yeah. 100%. So thank you so thank, much for having me, Peter. My pleasure. Thank you, thank you for being here. And and for those of you who are listening, uh, thank you for being part of Pizza Quest. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode, probably recorded right here an hour ago or whatever. <laughs> We're going to just keep getting as many episodes in as possible. But then after we run out of, of uh, episodes filmed or recorded here, we'll be just doing more um, virtual Zoom interviews and doing going back to some of our video uh, video interviews that also then re are you know reappear as audio. Podcasts. Uh, I love those. By HRN. the way, I love yeah. watching those during during COVID, especially like Sarah Minnick and yeah, just every, like all my favorite pizza makers. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch those. Thanks. It was like again, like a lot of us, uh, something was born out of an unexpected situation, COVID and yeah. the lockdown. Yeah. Then we came up with these Zoom shows that then turned into the book Pizza Quest that then has brought us back here to you know, keep the circle going. So thank you and thanks for, thank you, uh, thank for you. being part of our world. Thank all of you for listening. See you next time on Pizza Quest. That's it for this episode. 
If you want to hear more of our coverage from the Northeast Pizza and Pasta and Baking Expo, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.